Well, good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone Church this morning uh, online. We have uh, Pastor Scott Savage. And if you didn't know what his last name was, he just... Well, you know, Clovis, I got a gift last year at Christmas from one of our attendees. Oh, okay. And if your name is as cool as Savage, then you just get it like all over the sweatshirt. I get it. And, you know, I'm not preaching today, so I figured I could get away with wearing this. Because if you look at this for 40 minutes straight, you probably would just turn off the stream. It, it would be tough. But uh, anyway, in case you don't know his last name. I ever name, forget my name. It's Savage. Right there. Savage. So anyway, we want to welcome you to our services this morning and uh, encourage you that if you are watching, especially for the first time, if you'd be willing to text us the word Cornerstone to the number 33777, that would be great because what that does is it initiates a text you know, message going back and forth where we can get more information about you, can find out how we can serve you better, maybe find out what some of your needs are. So please take advantage of that. Just keep responding to the messages you get and we'll be in touch with you. So thank you for watching this morning. Yeah, we also want to say if you're watching, we would love for you to let us know where you're watching and who you're watching with. We know that some people are doing watch parties, people from their, their community groups, people from their neighborhood, friends. And so if you're watching on our website, you can go right below where this video is. There's a form. It looks like a little bit like this. And it gives you an opportunity to let us know your name, your email, who you're watching with, and gives us an idea uh, of what's happening, where you are. It's also an opportunity for you to give us some information. If there's a prayer request, something going on we need to know about, it's an awesome way for us to stay in contact during this season. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we're glad you're with us too. And there's a link in the chat right now that our host just put there where you can also fill out that form. So last week we mentioned that uh, we have implemented some new standards when it comes to the whole COVID uh, situation at Mile High, because obviously we're meeting in person there, but uh, the COVID situation has gotten more serious, and uh, we have taken some steps to address that. And so what we're doing is what's called restaurant standards, mm-hmm. you know, which is where uh, we're asking people when you arrive and when you walk in, when you go through the lobby, when you're in the lobby, uh, when you're walking into the auditorium, you have a mask on and you uh, be aware of social distancing. And then actually when you sit down, you're actually you know supposed to be social distancing. When you sit, after you sat down and everything, we start the service, you can take the, the mask off. Mm-hmm. But then whenever the service is over and you're leaving, we ask you to put the mask on. And then as you're exiting and you go back through the lobby, et cetera, you know, you keep the mask on. Obviously, you know, an important thing. Uh, we're still glad to be able to meet at Mile High, Absolutely. to be in person, but we feel like we need to take this step. Yeah, so you can get all that information at com slash regathering. So if you missed any of that or you wonder more about that, all the info about what we're doing to keep you safe when you come in person is available at this site. Uh, we also want to give you some housekeeping information about some things happening over the next few weeks as the holidays take place. Uh, our student ministry will not be meeting the next two Wednesdays. So December 23rd, December 30th, no junior high, no uh, senior high ministry. Those will start back up in the new year. We're grateful for the growth uh, in our student ministry that you know drove the need for us to kind of launch uh, separate ministries for junior high and senior high, but they're taking a break. Also wanted you to know that our offices are going 
going to be closed in between Christmas and New Year's. So our last day in the office will be Thursday the 24th, and then we will reopen on Monday, January the 4th. Our staff is still available, so if you need to call or email, we will get those things, but just the office will be closed. Yes, and we'll be obviously having our services as normal uh, during that time frame Absolutely. on Sundays, etc. So we just want to make you aware of that. We are planning a special uh, Christmas Eve service at Mile High. So we're going to be actually two of them, one at 3 p.m. and one at 5 p.m. And so that'll be again at Mile High under those standards that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the 3 p.m. service, we will be providing child care. I believe it's age four and six, six, six months through three years old. Okay, through three years old. Okay, so three years old and down to six months. Uh, we will have child care available at the first service, at the three o'clock service. So if you're, you know, interested in wanting to bring those children, that'd be the service to do it to, do it at. So the please. Five o'clock's gonna be the rowdy service. Yes. <laughs> it could be pretty rowdy. <laughs> so anyway, we want to encourage you to join us. We have some special things planned and, uh, you know, Christmas Eve is always such a special time. Absolutely. I, I wish we could do it here. We always had a really special time doing it here, but uh, we will still have a great time there at Mile High. We also are doing uh, a a new thing. Uh, We're going to be providing an online experience for many of you. You know, if you're watching the service, you're probably going to join us online on Christmas Eve. And so we're putting together a special online experience uh, that is being created just for those of you who'll be watching online. Uh, It will be available starting at 8 a.m. on Christmas Eve. We know you may have plans that day. You may have people that you're going to be celebrating with over video uh, on uh, that day or Christmas day. And so we're making this special Christmas experience available. And so starting at 8 a.m. on Christmas Eve, you can go to prescottcornerstone.com slash Christmas. Again, prescottcornerstone.com slash Christmas. And you'll be able to watch that video anytime starting at 8 a.m. It's going to have special music from some of the people you've see, uh, seen lead over the last few weeks this fall. I'll be sharing. We have some special uh, videos we're going to be showing. And so it's going to be a really, really special thing. And so if you're not able to join us in person, we have created a special experience for you that we think that you will really enjoy. So Clovis, whether people are ready to come in person or not, whether we come online or in person, we've got some great experiences planned this upcoming week. Right. So uh, please now participate in either or both of those opportunities. So now we want to just share something that's it's really kind of hard to uh, share, but it's just uh, you know obviously something we need to, to share with you. I think we mentioned it last week that uh, Jeannie Rydberg had, had uh, come down with COVID and had to be rushed to the hospital. Uh, the Lord actually took her home uh, and uh, took her home on early Monday morning. Um, and so we just want to continue to be praying for Dan. Um, as we speak, Dan is still dealing with COVID himself. And so we're praying that, you know, he uh, makes his way through that and, and, and just want to be praying for them. It's such an ironic thing in some ways because Dan's role when he was on staff at Cornerstone for six years, six plus years, uh, one of the areas that he was responsible for was pastoral care. Uh, he has been with many, many people who have gone through losses like this, but now he's going through it himself. And so we just want to be, you know, lifting them up in prayer. We're in touch with them. We're still waiting to hear about any kind of a service or anything like that that might happen here. If you don't know, they're actually from Minnesota, native uh, Minnesotans, and they'll be actually, I'm sure, going back there um, uh, for the burial, etc. But anyway, just please be praying uh, for, for Dan Rydberg and his family 
as uh, they mourn, you know, the passing of, uh, of Jeannie. Obviously, we know where she is. We celebrate the fact that she's now with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we wanted to make you aware of it. So please uh, be praying for them. Yeah, we'll be posting information on our Facebook page uh, when we get information on that service. But we're just so grateful for the legacy of Dan Ryberg. Many of you uh, have experienced his loving, caring, pastoral heart. Uh, I know I certainly have. I know Clovis has. And so uh, we're lifting them up. Uh, but right now we want to turn uh, this, this over to our worship leader for today. Uh, Liz Mall is going to be leading us. We have some really special things planned today in this service. And so we're so glad that you're with us and we look forward to worshiping together. Good morning, Cornerstone. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We're just going to worship our King. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing.
Followed stars to a place unexpected Would you believe after all we projected A child in a manger Lonely and small, the weakest of all Unlikeliest hero Wrapped up in his mother's shawl Just a child Is this who we've waited for? How many kings Stepped down from their thrones How many lords Have abandoned their homes How many greats Have become the least for me And how many guys Have pointed For the newborn Savior All that we have Where the costly or meek Because we believe Go for his honor And frankincense for his pleasure And myrrh and the cross And will suffer Do you believe Is this who we've waited for tuning in again just go ahead and watch this video so god invites us to take part in his grand story his story to bring the whole world to himself the lord directed us to the hewa tribe and i can remember that first day i think i cried the whole day um i was so excited but i was also very apprehensive took about four years to learn their language to the level where we could start translating the Bible for the first time. 
And uh, we're working through getting ready, getting enough verses translated so that we'd be able to present the gospel story. And I remember I would talk to the boys and say, get ready, get ready. Make sure you're here. Make sure everything is, you don't have any distractions because we're just about to teach the most important message you have ever heard. You've never heard a story like this. You need to come and hear it. So Feinbot was part of the group that seemed agreeable. It seemed like everything was going fine until we made that announcement the day we were going to start teaching. Then I heard through the grapevine that the local witch doctor, one of the many witch doctors, had made it made a similar announcement. He said, okay, everybody, all the young men of the village, June 12, I want you all to come help me. We're going to build a huge house. And we're going to start, I'm going to start teaching the ways of the ancestors, the ways of appeasing spirits. And so I want all the young men to come help me build my big house. I met with Keith and we prayed about it. And we decided, you know what, let's go ahead and start teaching and hope that God will bring the young men back from the village so they'll hear the word of God. So we started teaching in June and taught through July, August, September. It wasn't until October. Got toward the end there, wrapped it all up, taught the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Feinbot hadn't come to any of it, not any of it. Some people had, some people had listened, and it looked like some people were trusting in Jesus. Later, things went into a meltdown there in that village. I heard back in Fiavana someone hacked Thomas to death. He has been chopped to death, and all the men at Fiavana have gone crazy. I went down and held my friend who had been killed, and his blood got on my hands, and I just cried to God, what is this all about? Since Thomas had been killed, all of Wos's relatives had to leave. And with that, they left. That murder in our yard put the village in war. We were not able to live there anymore. I had to take my family, wife and kids out of the village. Keith also couldn't live there with his family. We had to live in town. I wanted to do what I could to reach these people. We had told them the gospel message, but didn't know how to live there because it wasn't safe anymore. There was com continual talk of retaliation and and we didn't know what to do, but we prayed, God, God, that you would find a place for us to live. Well, good morning. And, uh, I want to say welcome again. I want to welcome the Coffs here to um, the online service. This is Jonathan Coff, Susan, and McKenna Coff. And uh, if you're noticing the image here on the screen, that's really exciting to me because uh, back in February of this year, believe it or not, pre, you know, the COVID situation, at least extreme COVID situation, uh, John Bundy, Dr. John Bundy and myself had the opportunity to visit the Coffs in person. Yes. In their village, the Hewa village, I may not pronounce that right, in uh, Papua New Guinea. And so uh, you guys are like the very, like almost first family that Cornerstone, you know, sponsored as missionaries. You go back to the early days of Cornerstone Church. And uh, it's just so exciting. You're here on furlough. So glad uh, that you're here. And glad that we're having an opportunity to, you know, visit you. Everybody should have um, seen a video that gave them a little bit of a history of what's happened there, but Jonathan, I wanted to give you an opportunity to maybe give us a little bit of an update on where things stand with y'all and your ministry there, and I uh, know there's a little bit of a change that's happening now with, uh, you know, not actually being based 
in the village. So anything else, too, that you want to share? Well, first off, I want to say we want to say thank you so much. You have been an awesome church family. We have felt your love, your um, just your care, your gifts have been such a blessing to us all these years. We first went to Papua New Guinea in 1999, but even before that, you were part of this venture in the 96 or 97 when we first went to school. And we just thank you for your love, your just every part of the, the way that you've shown your love to us. And it was awesome when you sent Clovis and Dr. John to come be with us recently in February. That was just such a blessing and, and, uh, just thank you. And so, you know, I know that, um, you know, I wish we had a whole, I mean, hours to be able to share this story. But, um, you know, more recently, you're, you're going through a change. You're going to be based in a different location, as I understand it, than the actual tribe where you've been most of this time. Uh, you want to share just briefly about what's happening in this transition, why you're going through that transition. So, yeah, um, first we had to learn the language. And then after that, we started translating um, the Bible into their language and started teaching the Bible, teaching a message, the creation through Christ, overview of the Bible. Well, now we've got toward the end of this, <clears throat> where uh, we've translated most of the New Testament. We reached the 75% mark, and then actually right before we left New Guinea, we were able to get over the 80% mark of the New Testament. So we're getting to the place where um, these believers, that we've been teaching these passages, these believers are ready to operate on their own without our presence. So we're going to be backing off just a little bit, not leaving. I still have to finish. We still need to finish what we're doing. But step back and, and uh, move to a little uh, town that's about an hour and 45-minute flight from the tribe where we'll be able to go visit them regularly and uh, see how they're doing, check up on the church, but also just give them the ability to shepherd themselves and, and develop um, their leadership skills and just we're excited to see how they grow in the Lord during this time of us kind of phasing out of our presence in the tribe. And I actually have a copy of uh, that New Testament uh, that's been translated into their language. Mm -hmm. um, so, Susan, you have been focused a lot on the medical side as well as uh, the school side. And I know there's a lot to share there, but the mm -hmm. school side is the one thing. I mean, you guys have been able to get a teacher in there. You want to share a little bit about what's going on from the school and medical side of things? Yes, very, very exciting. So we've been there 20 years um, in three different locations. So we're super excited um, with how far they've come with medical. We've done a lot of medical training, sending them out to be trained, bringing them back so that they can give medical to their own people. But also on the school side, we started with teaching them how to read and write in their own language, the language that Jonathan translated, um, and then teaching them how to be independent so that they can teach others to read that language. We advanced to talk uh, to the, sorry, to the national language. That's called Talk Pigeon. And then we taught them to read and write and talk pigeon, and then we taught them to also become teachers. But when it came to uh, bringing in a, an American, not sorry, not an American, I apologize, bringing in a regular school so they can learn, so they can have grade one, two, three, four, five, and eventually graduate and come back and be able to teach their own, be, become teachers, we needed to hire outside. So now we actually have a school running. Um, they're in the church right now, so we don't have a building, but it's working. Um, and we're excited if you could pray for Gabriel. He's our teacher, our very first teacher. And that started just in June. Right. 
right? Right. So, you know, after we left, all of this has happened. Yes. And so yes. it's, uh, it's really exciting. Hey, I, I want to mention, you know, that uh, Jonathan has written a book. It's called Canopy of Darkness. You can actually get this on Amazon. And it tells the kind of the early story of y'all's time in Papua New Guinea, which is really neat. And I mean, a lot of challenges and everything. And I know you're working on a second book and we're looking forward to that coming out. But we, I wish we had more time to be able to go into this, but you can find out more by going to the book and reading the book. I really encourage you to read the book. Um, as we close, Jonathan, any other prayer requests that we can be praying for, for y'all and for the ministry that's happening there? Yeah, we really covet your prayers for this school. Gabriel, teaching he's teaching about 50 students right now. 50 students, three different grades. That's a lot for him to handle by himself. We're looking for a second Christian teacher of the same caliber, somebody that can do a great job teaching these kids and giving them a uh, just to uh, motivate them toward being godly leaders in their own tribe. So pray for the school and then also for us. There's challenges as we get ready to go back. Obviously, COVID makes things a little bit hard, but we appreciate your prayers and we hope that we'll be able to leave here uh, in time for McKenna to start school in Papua New Guinea, her next grade. So we're looking at July or August getting back there. Pray that the Lord just works things out. There's quite a few hurdles to overcome, but the Lord is able and we sure thank you for being part of this adventure. Every stage, every part of this adventure, every part of it. So I failed to mention that they, uh, you guys are with New Tribes Missions, which has actually changed its name here in the States, and it's called... Ethnos 360. Ethnos 360, I knew that. Um, so, you know, 15% of everything that's given to Cornerstone Church through the general fund, 15% goes to missions and helps support missionaries like the Coffs. And so I just want to encourage you to know that uh, you're helping support the work that's going on in Papua New Guinea. So with that, I'm going to turn things back over and, uh, and we're going to bring things to a close. So thank you for joining us and thank you guys for uh, being a part of our church and our church family. Thank you, Clovis, and thank you, church family. We sure appreciate you. Prepare!
for some ministry highlights. Pastor Scott. Well, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us today. We hope it's been an awesome morning so far. We loved having the coughs with us. And during uh, a normal in-person service, you might be able to walk out into the lobby and chat with them about their ministry and what God's doing in Papua New Guinea. And so if you want to learn more about the coughs and hear more that you kind of got a sense of a little bit in that interview, we want to encourage you to write down this uh, URL. You can visit mmol.org slash cough, mmol.org slash cough to get more information on that. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we've put that link in the chat for you to be able to check out more information on their ministry. We're so grateful for all of our mission partners locally, regionally, and globally. And we're grateful for your generosity that enables us to support them both through our prayers, but also through our finances. Hey, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're joining us today. You're going to see a little bit of the heart of our church, a heart for worship, a heart for Jesus, and a heart to see people come to know Jesus in Prescott and around the world. And so if you're new, we would love to hear from you. You can text us. You can text the word Cornerstone to 33777. That'll start up an automated response system for you to send us some information about yourself and for us to send you some information and our team We'll be following up with you really quickly to let you know how we can support you during this time. We wanted you to know, because some of you have asked, that we have updated our protocols for our in-person services. We know some of you move back and forth between in-person services and online services. And so if you have any questions about what's happening related to COVID-19 and our safety protocols for our in-person services, you can visit prescottcornerstone.com slash regathering. We have information there about the restaurant standards protocols we're following, and that'll give you some info, especially if you're considering what you're going to do this week for 
Christmas Eve because we've got two options for you this year for Christmas Eve. First, we have some in-person services on Thursday, December 24th, 3 and 5 p.m. at Mile High Middle School. We'll be celebrating Christmas Eve, about a 50-minute service. We'll be gathering together. We're going to sing. We're going to laugh. We're going to lean into the story of Christmas, and it's going to be a great time. If you've got kids, especially younger kids, and you want to take advantage of our nursery from six years, six, sorry, six months to three years, that will be at the three o'clock service. And so we'll have that available at the five o'clock service. We're calling that the rowdy service. Everybody will be in the room. It'll be a great time. And so please don't worry if your kids come and they're loud and they're trying to yell over me. I'm used to it. We've done this before on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a great, great night. But if you're not looking to come in person and you're looking to watch online with something special for you as well, we're creating a online focused Christmas Eve experience called Christmas at Home. And unlike your average Sunday, where at a certain time we broadcast a service like today at 1030, starting at 8 a.m. on Christmas Eve, we're putting a worship service out for you to watch whenever is convenient for you. In our world, that's called on demand. So starting Christmas Eve morning, Thursday, December 24th at 8 a.m., you can go to prescottcornerstone.com slash Christmas prescottcornerstone.com slash Christmas. And there at the top of the page, starting at 8 a.m., you'll see a video that is the Christmas Eve experience. You can watch it whenever you like. You can forward that link to whoever you like. You can watch it at the same time as family and friends around the country talk about the service afterwards. So if you go there right now, you'll see all the info on our Christmas Eve services. But starting Thursday, you'll also see that video. And we're really excited. We'd encourage you, whether you're going to come in person or watch online, please take advantage of the opportunity to share the good news of Christmas with your family and friends by inviting them to be part of one of those services. A couple of housekeeping items. We also wanted you to know that our offices are going to be closed starting Christmas Day through New Year's Day. We will still have services on sun- Sunday, December 27th, but our offices will be closed during that time. Also wanted you to know, for those of you who have students, our student ministry will not be meeting on Wednesdays, December 23rd and 30th. We're grateful for the growth that God has brought in that area. We now have a junior high and a high school ministry, but both of them are for the holidays. Finally, we want, to say, we want to say thank you for your giving. We know we wouldn't be able to do services in person uh, or services online. We wouldn't be able to support missionaries like Jonathan and Susan Koff. We wouldn't be able to come alongside people who've, who've been hurting in this year if it wasn't for your financial partnership. And so as we come to the end of the year, some of us begin thinking about making year-end gifts. We want to encourage you to consider making an investment in what God's doing at Cornerstone so that we can continue forward in the new year ready to go. Uh, if you want to make a year-end gift, we want to encourage you. That needs to happen by midnight on uh, December 31st, going into January 1st, or your gift needs to be postmarked in the mail by December 31st. So however you choose to give and whatever God puts on your heart to give, we're grateful for your support and your partnership and that we're in this together. I'm going to pray, and then you're going to enjoy a great message from our guest speaker today. His name is Mark Benedom. Uh, Mark and his wife, Anne, were part of our church for several years, right when I arrived in Prescott. And uh, he spoke last year in the summer of 2019 as 
part of our series on Ecclesiastes. And you don't know this, but this is the third time we've tried to have Mark speak in 2020. He was scheduled to speak in the spring and then COVID happened. He was scheduled to speak in the summer and then COVID happened again. And then now we're finally making it happen here in December. Mark is a former pastor. He pastored for a long 10 years in both Phoenix and Dallas. He's got a great heart. He's been a great friend to me and our church. And you're going to be blessed by what he has to share as part of our series, A Weary World Rejoices. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're with us, even as we're watching from all of the different places we're watching. We pray that we'd be aware of your presence today. We pray that we would experience your power and your voice today in our lives as we open your word. We pray that you'd speak through Mark, and we thank you for his willingness to push through all the frustrations and cancellations this year to be able to share what you've put on his heart to share. We thank you for him and Anne and their friendship and their partnership with our church. We pray you be with the family of Dan and Jeannie Ryberg, and we pray that, that you would strengthen Dan and you'd be with them as they grieve Jeannie's loss. And we pray that you'd continue to walk with us during these challenging times. We know that if we didn't have you, we couldn't make it. And so we thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray that you'd be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. It is so good to be here with you this morning. My wife and I traveled here from Wenatchee, Washington, about 1,300 miles, but it is so good. It feels like we're at home with our family again. I don't know about you, but there are movie characters and lines in movies that just have a way of sticking with me. I, I can't forget them. And uh, they pop into my head periodically. One of them is Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan, a manager of a women's uh, baseball team during the Second World War in a league of their own. And he's chewing out one of his players who was crying. He says, are you crying? Are you crying? There's no base, there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. And then there's Jim Carrey, who plays Lloyd Christmas in that sophisticated and subtle comedy, Dumb and Dumber. And he says, so you're telling me there's a chance. Perhaps though my most sentimental favorite for many years, and it's an old movie, but it's Bert Lahr who plays the cowardly lion in The Wizard of Oz, who's talking about the one thing that he lacks and the one thing that he wants more than anything else. Check it out. Sphinx the seventh wonder. Courage. 
Courage. You even sound brave when you say it that way. If you were to put together a list of the most admired qualities, courage would be at the top of the list in almost any time and any place. It's the stuff of legends. It is the, the, an inspiration to everyone at all times. It's the hope of every underdog and cowardly lion among us. As someone who has struggled with fear virtually all my life, courage has often felt very elusive. Fear of failure, fear of rejection. Those have been recurring companions along my journey. That's what makes the story of Joseph, for me, in the Gospel of Matthew, so encouraging. Because for someone we know so little about, Joseph provides for you and I an amazing example of what I like to call courageous faith. Wikipedia defines courage as this, the choice and the willingness to confront pain and danger or uncertainty. And it's very natural to associate courage with fear because obviously they, they connect very closely. But it might surprise you to realize that there is a connection between courage and joy as well. And Joseph's story helps amplify that extremely well. Max Lucado distinguishes what we call, what he calls contingent joy and courageous joy. Contingent joy simply, as you might expect, means that we become joyful over things that please us, that make us happy. Courageous joy, though, is something deeper. It's something that looks beyond our immediate circumstances, and what we're going through. And I want to suggest to you this morning that courageous faith begets courageous joy. Let me just say that again. Courageous faith begets courageous joy. So here's my big idea this morning. Joy is the outgrowth of courageous faith. Courageous joy, or the joy that we think of when we think of a a weary world rejoicing, that, I believe, is the outgrowth of courageous faith. And Joseph models that incredibly well. So this morning, I want to invite you to do something. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, which is the first book In the New Testament, it's the first of the Gospels. If you open your Bible, it's probably about two-thirds of the way through, and we're in the first chapter of the first book there in Matthew. And 
as we begin to read, one of the things that you're going to realize is that, oh yeah, I've heard this story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, don't do that. I want you to, I want us, as I read these words, I want you to think of it as the first time you've ever heard this story. Let the truth of the scripture wash over you and put yourself in Joseph's sandals for a few moments as he receives the devastating news that he's about to read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. This morning, I want to look at two keys to unlocking what I call, I'm calling courageous faith. One has to do with God's power, and the other has to do with God's plan. So let's take them one at a time. Here's the first. God's power is greater than anything we could ever imagine. Seems simple enough. God's power is greater than anything, anything we could ever imagine. Matthew opens this story so matter-of-factly, you might think, well, it's just going to be another day in Nazareth. Joseph is working, perhaps at his carpentry shop. Everything's going along just fine. He's saving up denarii for the, for the big wedding that's going to be coming. Most likely, he's living at his parents' home or his family's home. Mary, on the other hand, is living with her family. And they are preparing for the day when they will actually, the wedding will actually occur. They are living in this one-year betrothal period whereupon they are actually considered married, but in fact, they have not had their wedding or the consummation of their wedding as is implied by the text. He's living there with his family. He thinks everything's going along just fine when the news comes and his world caves in around him. Mary is found to be with child. Now Mary was being found to be with child. Found is an interesting word there. It's, it's, it's obvious that she's discovered, but it's vague enough to, to leave you wondering, how in the world did, she, did Joseph find out? I mean, my own thought is that she probably told him. She loved him. She was committed to him. But telling him must have been an incredibly difficult thing to do. On the other hand, found to be with child could indicate that, you know, at a certain point you can't hide it anymore. And the whispers in the the gossip grapevine must have been passing around Nazareth quite a bit. And so you wonder, as he was, however he found it, he must have been devastated. There's no doubt about that. He knew that the child was not his. And yet, because he loved Mary, 
he determined that he was going to divorce her quietly, let her get away, and avoid the shame and even the potential harm. And so I can imagine one night he, he lays his head down and he goes into an uneasy sleep. What did I do to deserve this, he might have been thinking. What, what possibly could I have done? Because life handed him a bitter cup. The reasonable assumption was Mary had been unfaithful. Mary had been unfaithful. That would have been the reasonable assumption. Reasonable, but wrong. You know, in life, it is very tempting. When everything goes sideways, when everything begins to go wrong, you find yourself in a mess that is of your own making or has been thrust upon you. It is an easy thing to think when everything is going wrong, God can't be in the middle of this. God can't be in the middle of this. But the truth is, we grow more in adversity than we do in comfort. And our messes, whether they are self-inflicted or not, are the fertile ground for God to do some of His very best work. Let me offer you two biblical examples to bolster that idea. The first is found in Genesis chapter 50. There's another Joseph. And his, Joseph is the youngest son of the patriarch Jacob. The story behind what he's about to say is that his brothers were jealous of him. And rather than kill him, which they initially contemplated doing, they sent him into slavery, into Egypt. And through a long series of examples, Joseph struggles. He eventually ends up as the prime minister of Egypt. And when his brothers come down to Egypt because of a famine, he confronts them over what has happened. And this is what he says to them. He says, as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. There are few examples so clearly of the heart of God as we see in Joseph. And also we see so very clearly how in the midst of the mess, God was at work in ways that were beyond anything anybody could have imagined, let alone his brothers. God is at, the wor- is at work in these situations in ways we can't imagine. There's a second example, and this one is from the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul, who finds himself in prison. Not because he was doing anything wrong, but because he was preaching the gospel. And this is what he says to the people, his friends at Philippi. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Men and women, that's courageous faith. That is the ability to to find joy beyond the immediate circumstances because we have a sense that God is at work 
in the middle of what we can't see. God is more powerful than anything we could ever imagine. He's at work in ways we can't fathom, let alone see. And Whatever our circumstances, whatever our circumstances, they may not be what they seem. They may not be what they seem. As Joseph would find out shortly. It says, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Joseph comes as a visit from an, an angel in his dream at perhaps his, his lowest moment. And now this is for the second time he is told that what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph wasn't a man of science, but he wasn't a fool either. He understood what it took to create a child. Now, this leaves us asking some very interesting questions. We know that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And so if he was fully man, as we know to be true, we know some things from genetics 101. We know from genetics that the mother provides, every human being has a pair of chromosomes, either an X and an X, or an X and a Y. And we know that the mother provides the X chromosome in every instance in her egg. So if the, if the husband or the male provides the Y chromosome or the X, another X chromosome, because that's what he produces is either an X or a Y. If it's two X's, you have a beautiful baby girl. However, if the mother provides the X chromosome and the father provides the Y chromosome, you have a bouncing baby boy. Knowing that Jesus was fully God and fully man, Jesus had a Y chromosome. Now you say to yourself, that's inconceivable. Another line from some of our favorite movies. No, it's actually a miracle. Because the question becomes, where did the Y come from? We know where the X came from. That came from Mary. Where did the Y come from? Ah, there's only one way that could have come. According to the text, somehow God provided it by the Holy Spirit. He created out of nothing a Y chromosome and placed it in Mary's womb to join with the X chromosome that, so that Christ could be fully man. You say, that's, that's impossible. That's inconceivable. No, it's actually ex nihilo. That's what the, the theologians like to talk about when they talk about God creating from nothing. God created the entire world from nothing. He spoke into being the entire creation, the entire universe, ex nihilo, out of nothing. So for him to create out of nothing a Y chromosome to go with the X that Mary provided 
is not a big stretch. So the second thing we need to remember if we're talking about God's power is that whatever our circumstances, God is not limited by our limitations. He's not limited by our limitations. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that I'm anti-science. I'm not saying that we should be uh, not trying to understand the world as it is. Too much of Scripture encourages us, doesn't it? To seek understanding, to seek knowledge, to understand the, the nature of the world. Many of the great scientists of history have been believers in Jesus. But humility demands that we understand that there are limitations to our ability to understand at certain times and places in history. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. He's not saying that we, we shouldn't try to understand, but He's saying there comes a point where when we can understand, we've got to lean into Him. I like that word. To lean on Him. To put our weight down upon Him. And sometimes that takes courageous faith. I have a, a buddy who years ago went up to Las Vegas. And at the time, I don't know if they still have it going on there uh, now, but at the time, you could do a thrill ride, if you want to call it that, where you where they had people literally jumping off the stratosphere. The hotel in, in Las, on the Las Vegas Strip. They would hook you up to a harness. They had a wire that dragged behind you. And then you would step to the edge of this platform in this suit that's all hooked up. And you would literally step off the stratosphere. And you would experience this controlled free fall until you got obviously close to the bottom, and then it slowed down and set you you down there. I will frankly admit to you that is courageous faith. I do not have, nor do I ever want. Because I can't imagine why anybody would want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, even if they have a parachute, or if they would jump off a building when they're hooked up to a harness. You see, courageous faith understands that beyond the thing that I'm afraid of, there is joy at the end. And that's what he told me when he got, when he, when he got to the landing. He was exhilarated because of, of having gone through that. I kind of think that's a little bit perhaps what Jesus must have experienced. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the Joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was able to look past the pain and all that he was going through for the joy of knowing what was going to be accomplished as he stepped forward in that instance. Or how about James? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials, brothers, because of what it produces in us and what it produces in in the one who does that courageous faith is not forged in easy circumstances but difficult ones 
And it involves a choice to trust the one who knows what's out there beyond what we can see in our immediate circumstances. God has the power to do that. God has the power to intervene in in the world in ways that we can't even imagine. God's power is greater than we could ever imagine. Now, the, the second thing we need to understand, or the second key then, is to understand that, that the use of God's power always conforms to a, a greater purpose or design. It's never indiscriminate. It's never capricious, as often the world is. But God's power is always used because it conforms to a greater design, which is sometimes why when we ask God to intervene in things, we're asking him to do things that isn't a part of his design and his plan. And so we can be disappointed. But in this case, God clearly had a plan, as Joseph was about to find out. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be shall conceive and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God had a plan. The second key to unlocking this courageous faith that I talked about is that God's plan is better His design is better than anything we could have ever hoped for. Let me see if I got that. Sorry about this. Okay. We're having a little trouble with the, the order of the slides. I'm sorry. But the second key is that God's plan is better than anything we could ever hope for. The narrative continues. And Matthew quotes the, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. Written 700 years before the birth of Christ. And it foretold the coming of the Savior, the Messiah... And it was evident, it would be evident by a supernatural birth. He says, a virgin will be with child. Now his name, it says, would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now we know that that's not his given name. We know that's Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew. And the Greek was is Jesus. But it is a descriptor of his role. that the the Messiah who would come as a part of God's plan would be with us. It would be God with, he would be God with us. John chapter 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with the Word. Or the Word was with him. And then later on, he says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Some translations say he pitched his tent with us. He came to live in our midst, to be with us. God had a plan from eternity past. It was the blueprint that he was going to follow no matter what. And the ancient prophets got a glimpse of it. 
Courageous faith rests on the bedrock that God is not at a loss of what to do next. Okay? He's not at a loss for what to do next. He's not Indiana Jones making it up as he goes, riding on a white horse to save the day. He has a plan, and that plan is a man who is the God-man, and his name is Jesus. Jesus came to earth as, as the man to represent us and to live the life that we couldn't live. He died on a cross in our place so that we might, that the, the barrier between man and God and by sin would be taken down. And then he rose again from the dead on the third day and it, we are told that he is with us even to this day. That's why the writer to the Hebrews said in writing to the the Jews in that area that he was writing to, said, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31. This is He's taking this from Deuteronomy 31 where God is speaking to Joshua. And he says, be strong and courageous for I, I am with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. He gives us that promise. God's plan is better than anything we could have ever imagined. And so that whatever our future is, we don't have to face it alone. He's as near as the softest prayer. He's as near as the the loneliest cry for help. Men and women, there's no gift that's under your tree this year that is better than the gift of eternal life. Nothing can compare to what happens to us when we receive this gift with open hearts and open arms. But God's power is never indiscriminate or capricious. It conforms to a greater design and purpose, as we're about to see. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall, be, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. The second key to unlocking what I'm calling courageous faith here is that God's plan is better than anything we could have ever hoped for. We have our plans, but it's better than anything we could have ever hoped for. The narrative continues with uh, Matthew quoting the prophet Isaiah, saying that that, uh, the Messiah who was foretold would come and that his birth would be a supernatural birth. He would be a virgin shall bear a son. That would be the sign. And, it, and we're told that this would be, he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Meaning th- that this wasn't necessarily his given name. We know that his given name was Jesus. But Emmanuel is a descriptor of the, the role that the Messiah would play in the plan that God 
had. That he indeed would come and live with us. As John in John's gospel says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh. He writes just a few verses later, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He pitched his tent among us. He lived in our world and shared our experiences with us. You see, what he, he wants us to know that, that the ancient prophets had a plan for at least more than 700 years God had been working out his plan in human history. And his plan was given, was given a glimpse to the, to the ancient prophets in the Old Testament. His plan was this. He would send someone, a Messiah. We know is Jesus. We know he was the God-man. To live in our midst. To live the life that we couldn't live. A perfect life. To die in our place. To take down the barrier of sin between man and God. And on the third day after he died, he would rise from the, from the grave. And he tells us that all of this was not only that he would be with us in his life, but he would be with us in his death and afterward. It's better than anything we could have ever hoped for. Courageous faith rests on the bedrock that God isn't at a loss for what he's going to do next. He's not like Indiana Jones making it up as he rides onto the scene to save the day. No, God had a uniquely singular plan for the salvation of the world. And that plan was Jesus. He came to earth and lived the life that we couldn't live and died in our place. Hebrews tells us that he is with us. This plan that he is with us, that we are to keep ourselves content uh, from the love of money and without... Uh, with what you and be content with what you have for he said i will never leave you nor forsake you he's hearkening back to deuteronomy 31 where god promised joshua as they came into the land he said be strong and courageous i will be with you and i will never leave you or forsake you and what he is promising not only to them he is also giving us this promise that whatever future we have whatever our future We do not have to face it alone. We don't have to face it alone. Men and women, a believer in Christ, someone who has put his faith in Jesus, never lives alone. More importantly, he never dies alone. I love this painting. It shows Jesus with his arm around this young individual. It's a reminder that Jesus is as near as our softest prayer and as close as our loneliest cry for help. We have a saying in our day, I got your back. I got your back. It means I'm with you. I got you covered. Jesus not only has your back, he's got your front, your side, your up, your down. He's got you covered in every way. And someday, when I shake off this mortal body and I stand before the the throne of God and He asks me, why should I let you into my heaven? 
Before I can even open my mouth, Jesus is going to put his arm around me and he's going to say, he's with me. Mark is with me. You are with me, whatever your name is. He knows you. God knows you. Christ knows you. He loves you. And he's not turned off. He's not ticked off. He's not put off. He loves you and he's going to walk with you through whatever you're going through today. You see, a believer in Christ never walks alone. More importantly, he never dies alone. And I think Jesus, or that Joseph, got it. I think he understood what was going on. So what did he do? He jumped off the building. When Joseph woke from the sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And they called his name Jesus. Men and women, whatever our future, God's word can be trusted. Whatever we are facing, we can step out in faith, believing that he's going to catch us there. That if we lean on him... He'll be there. Now, a few Sundays ago, if you're a Cardinal fan, you were probably watching this game with, between the Arizona Cardinals and the Buffalo Bills. And this is what you saw. On field, Murray back to throw, flushed out, rolling left in trouble, slips a tackle, got to launch it. He does, left side, into the end zone, jump ball, and it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness, it's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Hopkins reaches up. Now, my guess is if... You were watching that game live. You weren't as calm as you were just now watching it in the past. Why? Because you know what happens. You know how the game would turn out. You knew that Kyler Murray would throw up a prayer and DeAndre Hopkins would answer it. The fact that you know what is beyond the end of something enables us to not only experience the contingent joy of of a, as a Cardinal fan that you felt, but the, the understanding that what's beyond is the source of joy as well. Stephen Kotler, writer and, and author, has said that the road towards joy is paved with courage. Men and women, God's power is greater than anything you could ever imagine. So what your circumstances are, they may not be what they seem. And God's Power is not limited. He's he's not limited by our limitations. Not only that, but God's plan is better than anything we could have ever hoped for. Even if it wasn't what you were thinking it would be. That whatever our future, we don't have to face it alone because of that plan. And whatever our future, God's word can be trusted. So what are some next steps we can take? First of all, I would encourage you to identify one area of your life that you have difficulty trusting God for His provision. One area where you have difficulty trusting God for His provision. Number two, ask someone you trust 
Ask someone you trust to tell you an area of fear that they see in you. What do you need in order to face that fear? Number three, identify specific areas, some specific areas where God is asking you to step toward him in faith today, to take a step of courageous faith. It's about 12 years ago now. I was pastoring a a church, and I knew that my time there was coming to a close. And I began to pray and ask God to show me, give me direction on where I should go. And an opportunity from a little church not too far away from where we were became available. And in fact, I knew some of the folks in the, in the church and uh, they asked me to, if I'd be interested in candidating for the position, the open pastoral position. And I said, sure, yeah, that sounds great. In fact, I began to, in my own mind, began to think, you know what? This is perfect. We, uh, it's not that far. We, we have a, actually, we have a place that we could live nearby in that community. And these are people that knew me. And I felt like this is the perfect opportunity. This was what God was going to do. This was what the plan he had. And so I came and I, and to that particular situation, I, I candidated, I preached, I thought I did a reasonably good job, and, I, and then I waited to hear from them. About a week later, I got a call from one of the elders and said, thank you, but we're going another direction. And I will tell you, I was devastated. I felt like 25 years of ministry didn't matter in the least. And I didn't know what God was doing. Fortunately, it wasn't too long and another opportunity presented itself in completely out of the blue. And we ended up going and, and taking a position in Arlington, Texas at Park Springs Bible Church. And what I didn't realize at the time was this would turn out to be an opportunity that would save my ministry. It would change the, the direction of, of my life in some ways because God opened a door that I had no idea was there. He had a plan that I didn't see and I couldn't imagine it, it, it being. And how in the world could I end up there? And you get the picture. Well, as it turned out, that church that I candidated at did pretty well. They hired a young guy. He grew the church. And... His successor has experienced significant success as well. That church is cornerstone. God had a plan. And God had the power to make that plan work. And now I can look back with joy and think, oh my goodness, this is what God had all along. By believing in God's power and his plan that they are sufficient to face whatever it is that life throws at us. Men and women, we don't have to go looking for joy. Joy will come and find us. Would you pray with me? In the words of Bonnie Gray, Heavenly Father, give me the courage to choose joy. 
Father, I pray that you would rise up a, a people of courageous faith, that we might experience courageous joy in watching you work in our midst. Because it's not the size of our faith, it's not the amount of courage we have, but it is our willingness to trust you for whatever you have for us. And Father, I pray if there's someone watching this morning or is listening to these words and they've never put their faith in Christ, I want to encourage them to do that right now. Just open your heart. Acknowledge that you are a man or a woman in need of a Savior. Acknowledge that you have sinned and ask Christ to forgive your sin. Put your weight fully down on what He's done for you. And He will forgive you and He will welcome you into His family. Thank you, Father, for for your love and your seeking us. And thank you for the joy that we can experience this season, even in the midst of what we're going through. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining Cornerstone Church for our online services. If you'd like to ask Pastor Scott a question for our live question and answer session, please text your question to 928-288-5490. If you're joining us via our website or Facebook Live, please hop on over to www.youtube.com forward slash Prescott Cornerstone. If you're already here on YouTube, simply refresh the channel at the end of this message and you'll see the live session about to begin. May God bless you and keep you as you look to Jesus, the cornerstone of our faith.